Hey guys, this is the Real Estate Podcast, and this is your host, yours truly, Matt Teifke. Real quick before we dive in, if you don't mind, please make sure to subscribe to our channel. We want to get the message out that real estate can be for everybody. We want to share the entrepreneurship that we're learning along our journey. So before we dive into the episode, please make sure you share with your friends, and we want to continue to add value. So thank you guys, and let's dive right into the episode. Right? And it's the idea that you have something that's very special. And the fact that if it gets too well known or out there too much, <coughs> a, a couple things can happen. People can take it, right? But also people can abuse it. And what happens if they abuse it, the IRS shuts it down. And so it's a proprietary protected strategy. There's literally one law firm that does this. There's like some copycats out there. And these copycats, by the way, um, one of them recently monetized installment sale just got bl blown up in IRS court. All right. Welcome to the Real Estate Podcast. My, my name is Matt Teifke. Excited. Uh, Brett Swartz here, commercial real estate expert, tax expert. Uh, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate you uh, making some time here. Thanks. Yes, Matt. I appreciate the opportunity to share some, uh, uh, share some value, drop some value for your listeners. That's great. So what we like to typically do is go quickly kind of through people's background, how they got to where they are today, and then uh, shoot you with some uh, questions here and there and just provide real value. Like you mentioned, um, we're all real estate entrepreneurs, investors here. And obviously the uh, tax side probably doesn't get talked about enough, but is probably more important than any of it. So I'm excited to sit here and learn as well. Um, but if you can, can you kind of walk us just kind of quickly through your background and, and how you got to where you are uh, today? Yeah. So I, I had the uh, privilege of an opportunity to grow up with um, some amazing parents uh, who, who helped uh, instill in me a love for real estate at a young age. Uh, we were in the Bay Area, uh, kind of Silicon Valley area, building and owning rentals and properties. And so my brother and I picked up a hammer at a young age and drove bobcats and, and uh, put up drywall <clears throat> and saw the ability to build something and see cash flow and see appreciation. And so I always wanted to be in real estate at some point and kind of be an entrepreneur like, like my dad was as a developer. Uh, and I took that love for, uh, to, to college and I studied business um, and, and also had a chance to take an internship at a place called Marcus and Millichap uh, where I learned how to take kind of the hands-on sticks and bricks development into the underwriting, negotiating, brokering deals of particularly multifamily in Sacramento. And so that began my journey of the 1031 exchange and different tax deferral strategies and ways to create and preserve more wealth by helping clients do that with uh, buying properties. But it wasn't always easy. That was 2006 when things were pretty easy as a broker. And then things quickly took a turn in 2008. And I don't know if you've ever been in a place, Matt, where you're so scared, you're not sure how you can provide for your family. Or well, that's where I was. I was newly married. I had, uh, our baby was on the way. And I found myself making next to zero in commercial real estate brokerage. Um, part of because of the crash, right? It's a 2008 crash. And we're scrambling and seeing kind of ways to make this thing work. And so I did what every... You say good commercial real estate entrepreneur want to be or broker want to be, you get a side hustle, right? And that side hustle was at Cheesecake Factory nights and weekends, working you know, 60, 70 hour weeks. And so by day, I'd make cold calls, try to solve problems, negotiate with banks on behalf of clients, try to also decipher what went wrong 
in this whole run up and what we could have do better in the future. And by night, I'd, I'd work at Cheesecake Factory to keep the lights on. And we also moved my brother to a small condo. I got another couple other side hustle jobs over a two-year period of time. But during this period of time, my clients were also going through their financial struggles. And their values of their properties that they had purchased were now much less. Some of their debt services were too big. And they were negotiating or losing it to the bank. So some lost half. Some lost all. And so we said there's got to be a better way than this 1031 exchange shotgun wedding. And that's when we learned a thing, a thing about, called a deferred sales trust. Not to be confused with the Delaware Statutory Trust, not to be confused with the TIC. And it changed the game in my mind then, but it didn't change the game for the marketplace until really now. Although it's been around for 25 years, thousands of closes, billions under management, it hadn't really been talked about as much in the commercial real estate world. You know, we thought we were the Navy SEALs of 1031s and tax deferral but we learned something new. And so fast forward, I started to apply that to my business. My business started to grow. I started to solve more problems and I was able to retire for the Cheesecake Factory. And now I'm coming out with a book with Kevin Harrington from Shark Tank. He's in one of the chapters here and a number of other really smart, sophisticated people. And we just try to teach people how to, how to escape capital gains tax jail, defer millions of dollars in cryptocurrency tax, businesses, real estate, save a fail 1031 exchange so they can create and preserve more wealth. And I got five kids here in Northern California with my wife, Melanie. I love it, man. It's super cool. So you said, uh, if I caught this right on the uh, 1031, you kind of said shotgun wedding. And, and am I uh, thinking of this correct? It's like you get this deal done. You got to go get the next one done quickly. Um, and it's like, you're just forcing these things, uh, to happen quicker than you really would want to. Is that what you're alluding to? Absolutely, Matt. I mean, our parents taught us to sell high and buy low. They didn't teach us to sell high and buy higher 180 days later from now, right? <laughs> and a forced, a forced deal where the seller knows they have you buy whatever you want to say. And the cap rates are three and a half to 4% and, and interest rates are all time low and you're just running around with your hair on fire. Right. And, and it's just not a great experience. And so the, the goal is to sell high and buy low. And in fact, this is what changed it for me. I'll tell you the one story and you guys, you could probably stop the interview right now after this, right? The one story is this, they, they call it the Monday morning quarterback. We just got back from, I think one of the best weekends in football, by the way, you're in, you're in Texas. I'm, I'm a, uh, I'm a 49er fan. So we broke the Cowboys hearts a couple of years, a couple, uh, two weeks ago. And we won again last night. I'm really excited about that. But the Monday morning quarterback would have been like, Hey Dak, like don't, don't drop back and then run up there and then, you know, try to pass it to your center. And, you know, the, you know, when we can see it in 2020 and in real and afterwards in a replay, we can make the deals. And so the Monday morning quarterback for 2006 would have been this sell at the peak, literally pay all the tax. Who cares? Get all your cash, all your debt paid off and just wait and then buy everything at 30, 40, 50 cents on the dollar. Like that would have been the Monday morning quarterback. Now, the Deferred Sales Trust is going to give us that gap there so we can do the best of both worlds. But this is what a gentleman did in 2006. This guy's worth about a billion dollars now. At the time, he's worth about $250 million. And he hates the stock market. And he's looking at the 2006 valuation. He's selling a property across the street or close to the Minnesota Vikings Stadium. And he's looking around for a property to buy. He's like, this makes no sense. I'm either going to pay the tax, but I'm not 1031ing and overpaying. I think something's going to happen. So what did he do? He used the Deferred Sales Trust. So he sold a $20 million asset deferred millions of tax and he put it into the trust kind of like an IRA, kind of like a 401k and he let it to grow, let it grow tax deferred, invested into the stock market, very conservative stuff. Cause he also didn't believe in that either. Right. And five years later, Matt, the, the bank calls him up and says, Hey, you know, that property you sold to that buyer that we financed, you know, five years ago. Yeah. That crazy 1031 buyer. Yeah. Out of California. Yeah. I remember that guy. 
yeah, well, we just foreclosed on him and we're just curious, do you want to buy it back from us? He goes, well, maybe what's the price? And they say, he said, the bank said 60 cents on the dollar. He says, that sounds like a pretty good deal. Give me a couple days. He reallocated, okay, the funds in the trust into a new LLC and he bought it at 60 cents on the dollar, all tax deferred. So my mind exploded and said, oh my gosh, that's Netflix. We're doing Blockbuster, everybody. This is Netflix. If you understand how to do this, you can sell high and buy low. And so that's, that's the number one reason to consider a deferred sales trust right now. So walk us through the, <laughs> like the general uh, structure. Like, is there timelines that are involved in here? Like, what exactly is it uh, if someone knows nothing about it? Yep. So there's, there's no timelines in regards to the 45-180, right? Like the 1031 equal or greater value, um, equal or greater debt has to be investment like real estate. It's like going to Blockbuster on a random Friday night 10 years ago, Matt, and you saw that movie at the end of the aisle and it had the cardboard box. But right before you get there, someone else grabs it and you're like, what the heck? Like, why isn't like unlimited movies, right? Why do I have to drive in the snow or return it within three days and it's not rewound? And, you know, Netflix came in and said, hey, we're going to do real with all of that. And you can never, never have to return it. Yeah, you know, there's some ongoing fees. Well, that's like the difference between the 1031 and the Deferred Sales Trust. 1031 exchange is very restrictive, very, very um, non-flexible, doesn't work for anything besides investment real estate, doesn't work for cryptocurrency, business, doesn't work for uh, um, artwork, collectibles, public stock, private stock. The deferred sales trust, on the other hand, works for any asset of any kind. As long as it's $1 million net proceeds, $1 million gain on the asset, it works for all of those, but there's no timing restriction. You can go back into stocks, bonds, mutual funds, hard money lending, ground up development. We had a client who just sold a $2.6 million business in Alabama and he's building 70 multifamily units in Tennessee. He's dollar cost averaging into different investments and he's diversifying <coughs> his wealth. And so um, the 1031 exchange has the restrictions, the, the, the deferred sales trust. We do need to set it up prior to close of escrow. So we gotta make sure that we get everything in place prior to but besides that, there are 10-year terms. What's happening here, Matt, is you're becoming the lender. So if Matt wants to sell an asset and the asset is worth 10 million of cryptocurrency, let's say you bought it for 10 grand, you bought this NFT for 10 grand and you're like, man, I hit it out of the park here. But you're like, I think this is pretty volatile. I think I want to get out. Matt could go and sell to somebody, you know, the market and pay all that tax or he could form a trust, transfer the coin or the NFT to the trust and then the trust exit, the trust establishes a new basis. And what happened to you is you became the lender. You financed the trust 100% of that 10 million. The trust exited at 10 million, but bought for 10 million. So it's taxed, there's no tax gain on that. And what you're left with is a promissory note. And that's really the magic of this. It's just a seller carryback. It's just, a, it's, just a, uh, it's a creative way of doing that. And it's a 10 year, you said it's a 10 year term? Yeah, 10 year term. And after 10 years, you can renew for 10 years, <coughs> for 10 years, renew, you can pass it to your kids. They can keep it going. And you can go from real estate to real estate right away. Yeah, you can yeah. literally sell. And the reason you would do that and go real estate to real estate is because you can get a brand new depreciation schedule. And at 1031, your old depreciation travels. So that's like why it's, it's blockbuster because you're like, wait, I want depreciation offset my cash flow. Now you don't get the yeah. full depreciation. You only get 80%. But that's a powerful way to unlock deals for, for someone who owns the best thing on the corner for 40 years. You're like, well, why don't you do the deferred sales trust? 
and go buy another property and get a new depreciation schedule to offset the income tax that's coming in on the property. Right? Yeah. So that, that's, a, that's why it's also Netflix. And these are all the things like every time you're like, wait, it does that, it does that. You're like, well, it's too good to be true. Like my CPA would have known about it, which we can talk about that if you'd like. So uh, I, I understood that the, uh, like the DSTs would allow you to not be forced into buying something like overvalued with real estate. Uh, but then it's like this, the deferred you know, sales trust lets, lets you buy stock and then get back into real estate. So it's like a hybrid of like, you know, all the negatives of 1031 and the DSTs put together into this new, uh, this new like tax vehicle. Is that, is that accurate? It's a good way to put it. I'll give you some of the advantages of the 1031 here as well, but we have to call it like the Swiss army knife of, of tax deferral, right? Where, where you have the 1031, it's like a hammer, right? It's like, boom, just do have to do this. Like, boom, but well, sometimes you need a screwdriver. Sometimes you need a hammer. Sometimes you need a Swiss army knife, right? So what do you want? Right? And that's the biggest thing we ask the client, like, what do you want? Do you want to overpay for property? Do you want to be forced in the 1031 shotgun wedding? Do you want to not diversify, not have liquidity, not have diversification? then go with the 1031 hammer, right? Um, now, if you want a stepped up basis, this is really important. And one of the best things the government is still, is still has uh, for us is if you own real estate and you die, your kids get it with a stepped up basis of which they can walk away capital gains tax-free, which is amazing, right? This scenario, you've given up ownership, right? And you became the lender. So there's no stepped up basis. However, your kids can step into your shoes and they can, can continue to go uh, and keep tax deferral, right? Keep it going for as long as they want. So that's the main thing for the 1031. And also too, if you find a deal, and I'm, I do 1031s. I've sold over $100 million in commercial real estate. I'm a multifamily broker, started at Marcus and Chap. I love 1031s when it's a buyer's market. But guess what? Not every tool is for every market. Yeah. Right? Not every tax rate is for every market. And that's the point here. Like, Don't listen to old blockbuster methods for markets that, don't, that aren't, aren't aren't telling you there's deals to buy. Like, like, would you buy this deal, Matt, based upon the intrinsic value if it wasn't for the 1031? If the answer is even no or even hesitating, then don't do a 1031, right? Stick to your guts and say, this is crazy. I am not overpaying for this property. I'm going to put it in the deferred sales trust and I could buy it tomorrow or day 181 or two years from now when this guy gets foreclosed on. But it's taking, it's, it's that patience, right? It's delaying gratification for that deal. It's taking the long game, the strategy, uh, the, the strategy behind it, right? And looking looking at it longer versus just buying it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's great. I, I really like it. I guess the two things to touch on, uh, what are there any negatives? Like what what's... Yeah, the biggest thing to overcome is who's this third-party unrelated trustee? That's me, right? Like, and I'm loaning it to this, this trust. Yep. And like, is my fund safe and protected? And the answer is yes. I never commingled. They're never with mm -hmm. my personal bank accounts. We use third-party financial advisors, very large with TD Ameritrade, Charles Schwab. I'm not the financial advisor, so that's all protected. Big banks, right? Mm -hmm. um, so you gotta, get, you gotta kinda get comfortable with that, but it's not unlike like an IRA or custodian, right? They still, have to, they still have to sign and approve of all investments and movement of funds, but I also do as well. So you've gotta understand kind of that relationship, but it's also like a QI company. The QI company has to sign off. It's kind of like a long-term QI company. So once you get, okay, yeah, that's Brett. It's, it works. It's legal. It's protected. Or the next thing would just be um, uh, fees, right? Fees are <laughs> always, always um, in consideration. You got to make sure your return on investment makes sense. And so the fees, um, about 1.85 to 2% um, based upon the AUM that hits the account. So let's say it's a million bucks. It's about $20,000 a year in recurring fees. 
right? For as long as it's in the trust. And there's a one-time fee of about 1.5% to the tax attorney. That's my business partner. And they, they, uh, they pay that one time at the close. And so you got to make sure that asset is actually has enough liability to defer. That's why we have that 1 million, 1 million, $1 million net proceeds, $1 million gain to make it worthwhile. But once you get past that, you go, okay, yeah, this makes, this makes sense. Those are really honestly the, the two, two biggest ones that come up the most. That's cool. Thank you for explaining that. And then, um, what is it that you, you kind of alluded to? Why is it that, you know, CPA and the tax accountants not talking about this? Why do they not know about it? Yep. And then I'll use this story and tell you about the edge of the coin. Okay. And so I'm going to start with, um, a gentleman named Bill Gross. You may or may not know Bill Gross in the commercial real estate world, but he's very, very well known in the financial advising world. He's kind of like a Mark Cuban slash, um, um, I wouldn't say quite say Warren Buffett, but he's like securities, finance. <coughs> he's with a group called PIMCO, Matt. Okay, PIMCO is one of the largest wealth, yep. wealth managers in the world. And he and a guy named David Young form, uh, ran PIMCO from 80 billion to 1.2 trillion like 20 years ago. Like they're like rock stars, very smart economists, smart people. Okay. Now they get approached with stuff all the time. They're very skeptical, right? And in fact, they dismiss and just say no to most things. Well, they took PIMCO really big. Then they all retired like 15 years ago. And then they got kind of got bored. Well, well, David Young and about four others who were running with Bill Gross, they formed a group called Anfield Capital. David, uh, uh, Bill Gross didn't end up joining them, but David Young and the other guys did. And they got approached with the, the Deferred Sales Trust three and a half years ago. And they did a two-year due diligence on this. And after two years, they joined our kind of inner circle of the Deferred Sales Trust advisory team and they can manage funds for clients. So I always start with that because I always say, if it's good enough for David Young, being in the business for 25 plus years, one of the most respected groups with PIMCO, executive VP, and he does a two-year due diligence on it, and he puts his name on this, right? Is it good enough for you and your legal team, right? And you can talk to David. We can get on a call right now. We can look at the podcast, go to capitalgainstaxsolutions.com. You can watch his entire video. But the point of all that, he talks about this thing called the edge of the coin. Right. And it's the idea that you have something that's very special. And the fact that if it gets too well known or out there too much, <clears throat> a, a couple things can happen. People can take it. Right. But also people can abuse it. And what happens if they abuse it, the IRS shuts it down. And so it's a proprietary protected strategy. There's literally one law firm that does this. There's like some copycats out there. And these copycats, by the way, um, one of them recently monetized installment sale just got bl blown up in IRS court. Okay. And we've never been blown up in IRS court. In fact, we faced the IRS and over a dozen no change IRS audits. It has a perfect tracker to private letter ruling. They also, the tax attorneys also provide lifetime audit defense. But the idea is how do you help people without having, getting into the wrong hands and then people abusing it and then ruining it for everybody. And so that's where you work with us and the team to make sure that we do it right every single time. We file follow the legal ways of doing this, but tens of thousands of tax returns have been filed. Again, all of the audits. And so that's really the best answer um, is that we keep it protected. But, but also the other answer is qualified intermediaries. They don't want you to know about this. Your commercial real estate broker doesn't want you to know about this. Why? They're in the business of 1031s. We are a competitor to them, right? And so- yeah. The, in fact, at Marcus and Millichap, my manager brought in my business partner who played for the 49ers and is the co-founder of this. And he told me about it. 
and he had the blessing of my manager. But guess what? A year or two later, that manager no, is longer at Marcus and Millichap. A new guy comes in and tells me to stop talking about it. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I this is and like, no, we want 1031s. It's like, oh, you want to just do what's in the best interest of the brokerage, not maybe necessarily the best interest of the client. Like, why don't you let the client decide? But there's, you know, like anything, people have their agendas. Yeah, that makes sense. That's fascinating, man. There's always new things. And that's why, uh, obviously, education is so important. You get out and learn something new like this, you could save a lot of money. Because uh, you're right, like, as a broker, I'm like, man, or as somebody that uh, would want to be on the selling side, like, yeah, I love 1031 buyers. They overpay. It's just a known thing. Uh, so it's it's pretty cool that there is another solution out there. It makes sense that something would be in the works and put in motion. And now I don't know how long this took or any of that, but uh, there is another way. So it's pretty cool to hear about it. Yeah, absolutely. And it also works for cryptocurrency too, right? So we've done, if you think about it like this, right? I mean, real estate we're, we're focusing on, but we just did one for, for a client. He bought Ethereum for $100,000. He lives in the Bay Area. And he wants to buy this cabin on Tahoe, right? For those who are in Northern California, everyone wants to own a cabin right on a cabin right on a lake. And he's like, "That's what I want to do." I'm like, "Well, your Ethereum went from 100,000 to 13 million. You can just move it into the Vertels Trust, and you can partner and go buy that cabin all cash." He's like, "Really?" I'm like, "Yeah, all tax deferred." And so 100,000 went to 13 million. He did a seven and a half million with us so far of that amount. And now, right now, we're waiting for prices to make sense. He's in the stock market right now, conservative stuff. But the point is he never has to work again either. He retired from his W2 corporate job. He's got complete freedom because he had, first of all, he had the spine to sit through all the highs and lows of that $100,000. This is over many years. It went from 100,000 to 6 million, then it crashed down to a million, then it went to 9 million, it crashed down to 4 million, then it went to 13 million, then he finally exited it. But that's the freedom that the Deferred Sales Trust provides. So, um, and that can also be a great way to fund your next business deal, your next real estate project. It's really remarkable. That's cool, man. Good for that guy. 100K know, right? Ethereum must have done it pretty early on. And I know those uh, waves, those are not easy to hang on. They're I love it. Well, what are ways that uh, our listeners can maybe add value or even uh, get a hold of you guys? Yeah, well, we can go to, you can go to capitalgainstaxsolutions.com. You can look for the book that's coming out, uh, Building a Tax Deferred Exit Strategy, The Proven Playbook for unlocking your ideal wealth plan when selling assets of any kind for yourself or your clients. Um, again, we have like <coughs> from Shark Tank, we have uh, Neil Bawa, we have Gino Bavaro, we have Kevin Bupp, um, we have a David Young's in this chapters talking about all things wealth. You can also uh, join our free mastermind um, that happens every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, where we just spend some time demystifying this whole thing that we're talking about here called the Deferred Sales Trust. We're heavy focused on crypto right now because we think it's the highest and best use of the trust to help people to get out high, right? Not have to suffer the consequences of these big swings. I mean, Bitcoin was like 36,000, I think yesterday. Yep. And it was as high as 68,000 just a couple months ago. And yep. that's about a 50% drop, <coughs> right? And so if you can exit high, like my client did another client, they sold 50,000, they bought 50,000 of Bitcoin and went to 50 million. She just said 5 million with us at 54,000 of the, of the coin. Well, now it's at 35. Well, guess what? She could partner with the trust, buy that crypto at low and ride that up again and do yeah. it all over again. Rinse, wash, repeat. So these are all the things we'll want to teach you and get you comfortable with. So that's how you do it. CapitalGainsTaxSolutions.com. I love it, Brett. Well, thank you, man. Thank you for educating and uh, appreciate your time. Very, 
very fun and uh, educational for me as well. So thanks again. Uh, anything you want to say before we get out of here? No, that's it. Thanks for having me, Matt. Appreciate appreciate you having me on the show. I love it. Guys, it's the Real Estate Podcast. Hopefully you find some uh, value here. Don't always do the 1031. There are some other options out there. And uh, we'll see you guys next episode.